early Mother's Day to everyone or Mother's Week because I'm going to claim the entire week and I feel like every mother should claim the entire week because mm -hmm. Mother's Day is on Sunday. But you guys look very accurate because yes. mothers deserve more than just a day. I disagree. May is yes. hell for me. Oh my days, God. Anniversaries, Mother's Day, May is hell for me. Okay, anyways, so we're just not going to listen to Russell's comment, but you guys are listening to the <laughs> Amy Fart and Russell and our lovely guest, author guest today is Martine. So you guys, let's dive into the weekend, okay? Because I am dying to listen to Russell's feedback, like always. This weekend, I purchased a bunk bed for my kids. Josh went and got it. I bought it from... Um, the marketplace it was beautiful hey how are you and so josh put it together so my in-laws drove up and josh's dad helped him put it together and me and josh's mom went out looking for bedspreads and stuff so we purchased mattresses and all of this so we did all of, all of that ran around we regrouted our backsplash this is all on saturday okay we 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 Grouted our backsplash and cocked it, so it's perfect. That's done. I'm gonna so do fine. The this just sounds like a terrible weekend to me. No, I'm gonna do the island by myself. It's gonna be great. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna do stone on the island now. Okay, you guys. Besides all of that, okay. At 2.15 in the morning, my daughter that previously had the stomach bug on Friday or Wednesday got it again, but it was a double whammy because both of my kids had it. They had just slept in their new bunk bed and it was just gross. Okay. Just oh. gross. Oh. And then to find out after all of that and off of three hours of sleep on top of all of that, I started not feeling good yesterday. I didn't have the stomach bug or anything like that. So, of course, right, I'm proactive on some of these things because I had time. I made my own doctor's appointment this morning, and it turns out that I have strep throat and all of my symptoms, like my headache and my stomach hurting, and everything is from strep throat, which I've already had this year. <laughs> I actually had it two months ago. So, all of my kids are going to be going and getting checked out. I let That's Sean daycare out. disease. It's awful. I've That's what that is. Throat. And yeah. I've never had strep throat in my entire life. And this year I've gotten it twice <laughs> in a couple of months. So that's not, not very fun at all, to be completely honest. So on top of all of that, Russell would like an update on my training for Kauai, which is still at this moment in full swing. But I have had to miss some of my training because I've either had sick kids or I have been sick myself. Or Josh has had COVID and I've had to take care of Josh and his COVIDness. So, the <laughs> April, yeah. So, April was, you know, a setback, I would say. But I still am getting into shape for it. I follow all of the groups. I think mentally I can do it. I just have to uh, pick up my endurance. But, you know, those crazy things called children are really their sickness is getting in the way of that currently because my house is like plague after another just for whatever reason. So currently, Russell, it is on with uh, probably going to be moved. We'll see how this month and next month go. But so far. Okay, tell the audience that may not remember what your Kauai trip is, which is a 12-mile hike and a camp out 
in the water. It is a 11 mile hike in and out. You can only hike in and out unless you want to take the helicopter like Russell did, which I'm not going to do. And you camp on the beach. There's other places you can go. There's like this beautiful garden that you can go and like get food. And I really want to go and then hike out. But if I do this hike with my husband, okay, the agreement was that then I can have a 10 day vacation on the big island. And I can do whatever I want to do, but I have to do this hike first. Okay. If that's not motivation for anybody, I don't know what is because that just, I have, yeah. Okay. Yep. We're going to do it. Yep. Whatever you pick, Kauai hike will be better. I mean, because I it is the most beautiful place on earth. I mean, there is a lot of cool things and there's the like cave that you can walk through at low tide. I've done a lot of research on this because all of you guys know I'm not big into outdoorsy. Now I'm more outdoorsy than Fern. I handle that. I'm not as outdoorsy as Russell or my husband. So it's going to be a fun little challenge. Okay. It's a fun little escapade because the one time I did do camping on a beach was miserable. I was in the wrong sleeping bag. Josh gave me a sleeping bag for like 30 below freezing and it was on the beach and it was hot and there was sand everywhere. So that part I will be planning myself. Okay. Cause I, no one wants, I don't like humans. Yes. You need, if you're going to put yourself through nature, you need the proper tools. Yes. yes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun and, you know, experimenting. And we're going to go over uh crawler's ledge, which is like a ledge that goes around a mountain. It's going to be a lot of fun at some point if I get there. But right now with my kids being sick, it's looking uh, foggy. It's looking foggy at the moment. But ask me in two weeks, Russell, and we'll see. But what did everybody else do this weekend? I hope it was less sicky than, than my weekend. So who wants to go first? Well, I spent the whole weekend um, at Brownsville, Texas. I got myself a little Airbnb and I have spent the weekend writing, reading, reflecting, and just enjoying time away just for me. I went to the zoo, the Gladys Porter Zoo, by the way, is one of the top zoos in the nation. And um, I went to visit my old friends, the giraffes and reminisced about so many times that we were there as kids and the birthday parties we celebrated there and such. And then I spent a day at the beach in South Padre Island and just enjoyed the sound of the waves and all that sand that got everywhere and the waves, you know, I just, it was great. It was a wonderful time of meditation. I ate delicious burgers at Blackbeard's, which I always call Blackbirds because the sign has all these black birds on it. And so ever since I was a kid, I kept thinking it was Blackbirds, but it's actually Blackbeard's restaurant. So <laughs> anyway, that was that was me. And so I'm I'm all packed up. And after our show, I'm gonna load up my car and head home and head home. Yeah. So it was really good. It was a very relaxing weekend and it was a really good time of just recalibration. Sometimes you have to just put yourself on timeout and recalibrate your life, you know? So it was good. It I do that every day. I put myself when my husband comes home in timeout and I go and sit in my closet. So I do that every day, mostly to get away from my kids. But a reset is always good, especially when it's writing and stuff like that. Russell, Russell, 
like you've never done that. I know that you've done that. Yeah. He does that at the cigar lounge. That's where he puts himself in time out. <laughs> I love it. No, I love my children dearly. So the fact that they're starting to feel how I feel, we have doctor's appointments and everything right after this. But time out is good. And I think it helps you in the whole writing process because I think when you have like a relaxed mind and your mindset's relaxed and everything, I think it kind of brings newer inspiration and better writing. Um, oh yeah. Cause especially I've been so stuck at the ending of Gortive Offensive, you know, it's my book too. And I've just been stuck. I've been struggling with trying to figure out where to end it. And uh, I don't want to go to a four book series, but this is really getting long. And so I think I'm going to have to find a, an ending and and then just just bite the bullet and just end up with an extra book if necessary, because this is just, yeah. So it, it helped to really look at it and to see potential endpoints with what I've already got, you know, um, so that I can then, you know, maybe not not go so long because it's already sitting at 150,000 words and that's too long. That's, that's I want to I want to make it into like one uh, United Bidding was 127 and uh, Love's Calls around the same amount. So I don't want to go above 130, you know, so, yeah. Buyers, buyers actually prefer shorter books now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's I feel like it's a he it's heavy. It's it's heavy because it's very high, high level sci fi and fantasy blend. So. Uh, yeah, it, that's that's what I've been looking at, actually, is where can I end it now with what I've got that mm -hmm. is a satisfying space for it to end, you know, um, and then just do four books if necessary, you know, because there's just way too much story to tell. Yeah, I think it's good. You shouldn't want to just cut it off and like, nope, we're doing three books and that's it. Like you're open to another <laughs> book, which I think is is good. Martine, what did you do this weekend? Well, my weekend was pretty boring compared to yours. I'm actually uh, going through um, uh, reviewing the proofs for my next book, which should go to print like at the end of this week. And I'm also uh, trying to pack like I'm leaving tomorrow morning for Quebec City. Ooh. I will be meeting with my mama for her 89th birthday. And uh, then my husband and I are supposed to spend a week along the St. Lawrence River, uh, Tadoussac, uh, Bé-Saint-Paul, Château-Frontenac. But there was a big flood there last week and the roads are cut off now. So we're trying to, we're scrambling around, trying to figure out what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Uh, we have to re revise the whole trip planning. So it was a, a, bit, a bit hectic and uh, yeah, a little bit nerve wracking. Martine, the, uh, the, main farm that produces for gras from the United States for almost all the United States is on the St. Lawrence pathway. Are you going, are you a for gras fan? Is yes, that something? Because if I was doing that, I would actually have to stop at that farm. Well, that, that's the thing. Um, uh, Saint uh, what was that? St. Paul, uh, Saint Paul, La Malbe. This is where this is the like, like the lamb heaven and foie gras heaven. But now Saint Paul has been cut off. The village has been cut off uh, in two parts. There's no more bridge, no more road. Uh, so we may have to say bye bye to the foie gras for now. Uh, that's terrible because foie gras is yummy. 
It is. <laughs> and Riette, Riette de Canard Duck also. Duck mm -hmm. is also really good. But You know, I've never eaten duck. I've never had duck. I, well, then you cheated yourself. I just, you know, I've never, never, I don't know. I don't even know why. It's not that duck, it, duck I mean, it's not good. A, a, leg, a duck leg confit, like cooking its own fat for hours and hours wow. and hours. It is so delicious yeah you're making me hungry. you'll be sick for two days afterwards but <laughs> during the meal it's the greatest thing you've ever had yeah, yeah you have to get like your, your system has to get used to all that fat <laughs> but being oh. french i have no problem with that yeah. <laughs> now she's just bragging she's starting to fight right away <laughs> by bragging it, okay Hello. i can't even talk about what i did martina i have to ask you a question did you mark your book was originally written in French? Yes. Which makes me terribly jealous. Did you market your book in France as well? Uh, this one, yes. This one, I, I was, to, I went to the Salon du Livre, the, the book fair in Paris. <sighs> and I sold every copy I had. I had like uh, copies of uh, five of my different books and I sold everything. Uh, uh, and I had duck confit. A few you're times. such a oh, braggart. Yeah, She's such I a braggart. It. It's no, terrible. You had me at Paris. Me at Paris <laughs> that's like my all-time favorite city in the world. Yeah, I went to the book the, the, the book fair in Paris twice, and both experiences were, were really, really interesting. Actually, when I was in Paris for the second book fair, we also launched the English version of uh, one of my novels, In the Fold of the Hills. So you're in a situation where you go to France to launch a book in English that has been translated by a Scottish woman who lives in Paris. Mm. It was like, oh. uh, it was an interesting experience. Very I nice. can only imagine, you know, I like you, Martine, because not very many people can get Russell as riled up and jealous. Oh, as you I'm have, so jealous. And it's, it's amazing. So I love you. Just Martine. You anytime. I love it. Have you have you read Proust in French? Uh, let me phrase this. Um, I tried <laughs> to read Proust in French. I understand. When I did my, my first year uh, university in French literature, we had a reading list that comprised 100 books of different genres that we had to read during the first year. And honest to God, the only one that I was not able to finish was À la recherche du temps perdu, uh, Marcel Proust. I, I bet you could now. I bet, you know, some books you have to grow older to read. You can't, you read them in college. It doesn't mean the same. It may mean something totally different as yeah. you get older. You know, Anna Karenina did that to me. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank the people listening to us on our podcast. Uh, most people, Martine, don't watch us on Monday mornings. They listen to us during the week on podcasts. Mm -hmm. We're very grateful to them. Amy, where can people find us? Yes, so you can find us anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Apple, Good Pods, any of those places that you can listen to podcasts where you can find us. Check out our new branding. It's the Crimson Red and Gold. Russell finally found us. And we're the first ones that pop up. So hopefully you can find us. But feel free if you want to be on the show to direct message me or dm me on any of our socials that way you can get on the show my email you guys does get really bogged down 
on top of all of that, we are incredibly grateful and humble that you guys do listen to us. We started this because it was Russell's dream and we just have a lot of fun listening and meeting new authors and their stories and their adventures. And so it's been a fun and exciting eight years with many more to come. But you guys can watch us in our video on YouTube or our Facebook group. Fern and I are very good at controlling what comes out of our mouth, but not our facial expressions. I talk a lot with my hands and we are very animated. So if you want to have a good chuckle, come on over to Facebook or YouTube and you can watch us live or our replays of our videos. You can follow any of us on social media or ask to be our friends if you want to. Some of us have private accounts. But other than that, you guys, we thoroughly enjoy it. We can't wait to see what happens. But Thorne, I'm going to kick it over to you and let's get Martine talking about her books. Yes. Well, Martine, the first thing I wanted to ask, which is something I always ask because I am always interested in where a writer's journey starts. Um, what made you want to be a writer? What What was it that made you go, yes, I want to write books? As far as I can remember, it is the only thing I always wanted to do. Uh, I, I'm the third one. I had two older brothers and my older brother started going to school. And I remember being in diapers sitting at the, the, the table doing my devoir, my homework, my fake homeworks with my brothers and telling them and my parents that I was writing books. Mm. And then my mom told me, well, before you write books, you have to learn how to read. And I said, no, mama, you don't get it. I don't want to read the books. I want to write them. <laughs> and that, that's how it, it started. And then at age seven, I wrote my first poem which was about the birth of a bird. Oh. And um, I don't know, I got praised by my teacher, by my parents, by my parents' friends and everything. And there I was, you know, this was my, my path. But then there were many, many bumps and turns along the road before I finally became a writer almost 20 years ago. Yeah, what, so what are some of those bumps in the road? What were the, some of the things, the challenges to getting to be a writer? that you faced? Well, things like uh, dropping out of high school twice, mm -hmm. uh, drugs, uh, boys. Um, Men, you know, yes, they're terrible. <laughs> that situation, dysfunctional family, uh, which I realized later on that gives me a lot of material. That's true. Huh? Yes. Bonus, you can use everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this was, uh, yeah, some of the bumps along the road. and. Uh, I was born in a very blue collar family. Like my, my dad has a grade seven. My mom had a grade nine, a little mining town. Uh, there was no college, no nothing. It was not in our realm of possibility to, to go to school even. So I figured, well, maybe I'll become a hairdresser. So I became a hairdresser mm. for about a year. Then I moved to the big city, to Montreal, to become a professional model. I did that. And this was so boring such a boring <laughs> job that this is when i started reading novels like compulsively between shows because there was nothing to do and eventually brought me back to school that is very cool and see every writer's journey is so different and unique and it's wonderful to get to hear where you know the life took you so what was your first book and what was the inspiration for that first book that you published? 
My first book, uh, well, I, I spent like six years at university studying French literature and I, but back then in Montreal, I was working for a PR agency and I was working like seven days a week, like 12, 13 hours a day minimum. I had no, no space, no time to, 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 to write anything. Then in 1993, 30 years ago, I moved to, from Quebec to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is in the middle of the Canadian prairies. Quebec, in Quebec, I lived in French. I moved here starting to, you know, a new life in English, Ooh. not knowing anybody. So then all of a sudden I had a lot of space and time to, to think and reflect. And one day my boyfriend, who's now my, my husband, took me a, to a place called Fort Sam. Fort San was a sanatorium in the Capel Valley. Capel Valley, Google Capel Valley. It's such a beautiful place. So when he took me to this old sanatorium that had an aura of, of, of mystery and many ghost stories attached to it, I, I had the calling. I had found the, the, the setting for my very first novel. So this is In the Fold of the Hill. So it was published in French, Dans le Pied des Collines. And almost 10 years later, got translated in English under the title on, In the Fold of the Hill. And that was, uh, I won an award for this one. Uh, and it's still very, very dear to my heart. It's a mystery, uh, mystery and ghost story that takes place in three different generations. So is that kind of your genre? Like, do you, because this new book is also kind of a mystery ghost story type story so do you find that that is the genre that sort of captured you and that you write most in or do you explore other genres as well i explore other genre as well but i i have um uh a, a, a faible what it is in english i don't know a <laughs> I, I really like ghost stories like okay. mysteries definitely and ghost stories because i myself had many weird experiences uh, involving people who have passed um, and and this uh, ghost of uh, spirithood uh, includes a couple of those stories well very nice very nice i love it and so as you were preparing for for this book this new book that you that you're working on um what are some of the things that you uh, find yourself researching in your in your books. What are some of the the things that you find yourself kind of looking for information on as a writer? Uh, in the in the ghost of spirithood. Yeah, and in general, like, what are some of the things that have been you know oh. areas of research that you have poured into that you have found most fascinating as you're moving into your books? Well, the, the most fascinating one was, I don't know if you ever heard, are you familiar with cowboys, uh, cowboy stories, uh, Will James? Yes, we're in Texas. Out. We know cowboys. Will James, uh, <laughs> yeah. who wrote a smoky, uh, lonesome cowboy. He wrote 24 novels. Uh, he, he made some movies uh, in Hollywood. Uh, he was a very famous uh, artist also. He's very famous for his paintings. So I, I saw a documentary one day about this, this guy, this American cowboy, and 25 years after his death, uh, a biographer uncovered that he was a French comedian by the name of Ernest Dufault. 
coming oh. from a place near Drummondville in Quebec. So then I was like, what? <laughs> so that took me down the rabbit hole. I did research for five years <laughs> on this world James. I went to Reno, Nevada. Uh, I, I went to uh, Billings, Montana, doing research on him. And it, it, uh, the, the end result is a, a play in French and in English called Willie Ebnes, uh, which won an award for uh, the, the, the best uh, drama um, in 2020. There's also an adult novel and a youth novel. So I have three different uh, pieces now uh, stemming from that Will James. Very cool. So when you're writing for the, the theater for a play, um, how do you find that in comparison to a novel? Like, do you find that one is easier for you to write than the other? Um, do you find yourself having to curb some of your descriptive pieces? Because in the play, you sort of focus more on action and, and dialogue. How is that, you know, those two genres, how is that for you? I really feel like I'm wearing a different hat whatever version I'm doing. When I write the novel, uh, really, I sit down and I see the movie in my mind's eye and I write what I see. When I write a play, I, I, re I, 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 I see the action taking place on stage. And, and you have to comp you know how you have to involve like the five senses in whatever you write if you want to make it really alive, you know, if you want a beating heart in your piece. Well, you have to call up to different senses, whatever you do. And then with that William Ernest, I also did a radio adaptation for Radio-Canada, CBC. Uh, and, and this was another challenge because then, uh, you know, I, I went from the, the full range of seeing the movie to the stage version to now only uh, hearing what's going on. Yeah. And I was so pleased because the producer did not change even a comma in my adaptation. So I was really, really thrilled about that. That sounds really cool. Um, how did you get into the opportunity for doing the radio? Chance. kind of happened. One of Radio-Canada producer contacted some theaters, uh, some French language theaters in Western Canada. And someone suggested this display, and they said the yes right away. And I spent a couple of months doing the adaptation, uh, and then they we had part of the original cast uh, doing the, the the recording in, a, of course, in a professional uh, studio with the Radio Canada people. That was really exciting. Very cool. So, do you write? a lot of just standalone pieces like these are just books that have you know their characters and stuff it's just a single time do you do some series where you follow characters across different different situations what what is your preference in that regard so far i've done only standalones but now with the ghost of spiritwood uh, which i wrote a number of years ago because the french version was published in 2010 and I always had the intention to write uh, uh, other adventure for my main characters, Ethan and Alex. Um, they, they, they discover that they're not ghostbusters. They're two teenagers. They're, 
what they call themselves ghost rescuers. Oh. And now with the second life that this story is getting, I had, you know, people asking for more adventure for those two characters. So now I'm thinking I'm starting to brew up some uh, some plots, some sending them some some areas of the different areas of the problem because there's a lot of ghost stories everywhere in Saskatchewan. So what is the difference between a ghost buster and a ghost rescuer? The ghost, but this is my own definition. <laughs> the ghost buster uh, will be called into a place uh, uh, to get rid of the ghosts. Mm. Uh, to house them outside of a, a house or a museum or a theater or whatever. And then we don't know what happens to, to, to that ghost. It's just been kicked out. But mm. in the case of Alex and Ethan, what they did is by contacting this lost soul in, in that abandoned country school, they uncovered... Uh, um, an accident, let's say, you know, in the way that this goes, this young boy passed away and he was stuck in that school because his tormentor would not let him out of the school. So what they did, they took care of the tormentor and then the little boy could finally be freed after 30 some years. Oh, nice. So, so your characters are are going to free the ghosts. Yes. Help them to make that transition. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. That's a different take. So as you're thinking about where you're going to take these characters, you know, uh, are you looking at researching some ghosts that are, you know, that are known or places that are known to be haunted um, to see what, what you might come up with? I will research existing places, or I can also do like I did with uh, Spiritwood. Uh, this was made up, totally made up. Uh, that that little school may exist. I don't know. Uh, um, and and this book stems from a uh, a series of workshop that I've done with 32 grade seven and eight kids from a French immersion school. So that means the French immersion. I mean that those kids are from Anglophone, English-speaking families, and they go to school in French. So the, this is the, this is the one. And, and the other day, someone was asking me, why do you think that this story may appeal as much to uh, English people, English-speaking kids that they did with French-speaking kids? Well, maybe because the, the kids that came up with some of the storyline or English-speaking kids. I don't know. Well, and I mean, stories transcend yeah. national boundaries and languages. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, our heart as writers is to portray the human condition, right? And in exactly. this young, these young boys are there helping others, you know, to mm -hmm. transition, and and so that that human condition of seeking to help others seeking to understand other people's situations, um, confronting dark forces that hold us back. All of that is going to transcend to all languages, I would imagine. It does. Was it, um, was it, has it been 
hard to find, you know, translation avenues or, you know, do you find that uh, it has been relatively easy to move your books from one language to another? I found it easy because I, I decided after translating, I, I've been doing translation for 30 some years, mainly from uh, English to French. Uh, but this time after translating a few books, I figured, why don't I translate one of mine? So I picked this one, which was very uh, popular and it's still very popular in, in schools across the country. And I thought since this is a, a young adult, so my young adults novel don't contain as many uh, like poetic descriptions. Uh, let's say the, the the story moves through dialogue. So I figured I can do dialogue and with with a good reviser, you know, I will. Um, yeah, I, I know we can we can do that. So it was relatively easy. Yes. And I, I'm planning on translating another one of mine uh, this summer. Uh, which was also created based uh, on workshops uh, that I've done with kids, half immersion and half real French kid, if I, if I may say. So do you enjoy uh, working with, with your kids? Do you find that they inspire you a lot? Because like I, that's one of the things that I have found in my own life, just being a teacher, being around those kids, um, you find a lot of energy and creativity there. And I don't know how that is for you. It's very inspiring. And it also uh, scares the hell out of me because uh, all these books, uh, I have seven right now from this collection, a collection called Escapade with a big SK for Saskatchewan. And they've, they've all, you know, I, I show up one day in, in a classroom and I tell them we're going to create a story together. You know, the, the storyline, at least, you know, for, uh, over the, the six week period or three week period. And then I, I come up with, you know, a, a, a zebra that has been transformed into an ogre or a little farm boy who lost a, a leg in a farming accident and end up with a bionic leg. Uh, right now, I'm working on a story about a man who had a mining accident and and got um, oh greffé. What's a greffé? Some some doctor put on some uh, goat legs on him. Like this is all off the map, completely completely crazy stories. And I I challenge myself to make it into a believable story. So, so far, these, has been working. So these are are the stories you work with your kiddos. You you throw these at them. Yes. Well, they, or they, they throw them at me because when, when I come into the classroom, it's carte blanche. I have no idea what kind of uh, story we're going to create. Absolutely no idea. The only thing that that uh, is a must for me is that the story takes place in Saskatchewan. And because this is uh, this whole project is financed by the Ministry of Education and, and by uh, a French publisher from uh, here in Saskatchewan. So to me, it's important to put, you know, the, the real history and landscape of Saskatchewan first and foremost. Yeah. And do you find that that is very helpful to the kids? Because I find that um, a lot of kids have very imagine uh, great imaginations and they can just go anywhere but i find that some kids especially if they're reluctant writers have giving them a very specific location that they know mm -hmm. well 
uh, often helps unleash it. Do you find that your kids uh, embrace and and sort of flourish writing about their hometown where they're living? Writing about their hometown and also uh, reading, period. Like when I was finishing the, the Ghost of Spiritwood, uh, one day I walked into the school and the librarian comes to see me and asks me, what did you do to those kids? Well, what do you mean? Well, uh, all this bunch of boys there, they, they never set foot in the, in the bibliotheque unless it was like the mandatory hour with the class. But now they come anytime, any given time, they come in and they take books. And well, I was very happy to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a success. That is a huge success because yeah. that means you unleashed their desire for, for the written word. Mm -hmm. and, and one thing that I'm really proud of is that uh, every year um, I get an invitation from the University of Regina to talk to uh, the, the third year uh, uh, teaching student, you know, those who will become teacher next year. And uh, three occasions I had in the class one of the kids that was part of one of those seven projects. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm really proud when I see, especially when it was kids from uh, immersion school and they decided to continue their education in French at university and now they're going to teach French. I'm proud of that. Yes, that is huge. That is one of the beautiful things about being a teacher is seeing lives changed from, yes. from what you do. You mm -hmm. know, it is, it is a beautiful thing and I think it's, it's a calling. So what, you know, you're going to keep working with your, with these characters and giving them uh, more books, you know, are there other projects on your plate that you're looking forward to working on? Yes, I still have uh, three more novels, uh, one adult and two youth and, and one play. I always uh, work on multiple projects at any given time because sometimes I don't get ideas for one. So you let it, uh, let it sit there for a few weeks or a few months, and then you get back to it. And one day, oh, you see the light, you know, you know what the DNA of that story is. Yeah. Um, so I really like to do that. So I structure my day usually doing uh, fresh writing, like creative writing in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I will uh, work on editing a more advanced uh, manuscript. Uh, that is really cool to know. So as you work through your day, um, do you have, you know, partners that you work with in terms of getting critique or feedback? Do you have a developmental editor? That's always interesting to see, like, what is your process for, you know, the portion where, you, okay, you wrote it um, and now you're polishing it. What What is the team that you use for helping you polish? The team is uh, me, moi, and myself. And, and when my team <laughs> is satisfied uh, with, with the manuscript, the, the, the manuscript, the manuscript, then I, I ask uh, advice to different people. And I, I will approach different people depending on the kind of story that I wrote. Uh, and I'm always very nervous uh, waiting uh, feedback from, you know, to waiting for, to find out what they think of that story. And, if they can, uh, usually, usually I get some very good pointers as to maybe what section I, I should develop more 
uh, this section here, well, this is dead. You know, you, you can cut these 4,000 words here. You don't need that. And you, yeah, you need external help. But I always wait until I, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm certain about my, my product, if I may say. Very cool. Yes. And this, it's good to hear the different methods that different authors use because, and it's always important having those external eyes to look at your manuscripts. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we, we love having author interviews. And so one of the things that is always interesting for me is what are the things that inspire you the most? Obviously ghosts, but beyond that, what are some of the things that really inspire you to write? It is so eclectic. It, it's a gut feeling. Like in the fold of the hills, it was the old sanatorium, all these pavilions and houses and, and, and labs and I don't know uh, what Will James. It was the fact that he built a career, a whole career as a writer, a, a stuntman, and a painter, making people believe that he was born in Montana. Uh, it, it really depends. I, I just stay open to whatever may touch me, whatever comes. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you. And we're coming close to the end, so I'm going to kick it over to Amy. Russell, you've been awfully quiet. Do you have any yeah. last minute questions, statements, anything like that before we let Martine go? I I'm just thinking about foie gras and duck. <laughs> oh yeah. I got to tell you, we have, we've been on the show, this show for about eight years. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever heard an author describe their work day quite the way you did or that you work on different projects at the same time i find that very interesting uh, that was probably besides talking about for gras was probably my favorite part of the interview would you could you tell us where uh listeners can find your books Books, uh, my, most of my books are, are in French, but there's also Dans les Petits des Collines and uh, The Ghost of Spiritwood and Will and Ernest, the play. Uh, the, the book is uh, half in French, half in English. Uh, I mean, the whole play, it's a bilingual uh, edition. It's available everywhere on Amazon, uh, Des Libraires, uh, yeah, Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, yeah. E-books, paper books, yeah. I love it. You're just everywhere and you're, you know, working on translating your books, which is amazing. But the conversation and the way that you think and you work and just the how you've always wanted to be a writer since you were in, in diapers. It's just amazing and it's fascinating. And the fact that you have made Russell so jealous of you is like icing on top for me. I thoroughly have enjoyed that. A hundred percent. I know Jan went and said that she went and purchased some of your books on Amazon in French, and she's super excited to start reading them and hopefully leaving reviews. Jan, you know that reviews are important for all authors. But Martine, we want to thank you for taking time out of your morning to come and talk with us and just open up about being a writer and how you fell into it and your passion for writing, because it really does come across. So thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to come and talk with us. Well, thanks to you. That was really fun. Oh, 
Oh, anytime. We love doing this. So you guys, happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Week. I'm going to correct myself and say, but we hope that you all have a fantastic Monday, a great rest of your week, and we will catch you all next Monday. Bye, everybody.